Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Crimeland. I'm Julie J, and this week I'm talking to the wonderful... Gerald Farrelly. About the Powell family. You know what? You did that so well, Grove, because sometimes I don't tell people there's going to be an introduction where I expect them to jump in. And okay. there's just this long, long, awkward pause. And then the poor person, my poor guest, is like, um, I'm talking to you this week. And I'm like, we're going to have to go again. Yeah, we're gonna, you need to catch my wave. You did that like a pro, Grote. Grote, thank you so much for coming on and talking true crime with me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, I think it's, the, it's that time in our lives where we're all just happy to hear about somebody bludgeoned just so it's not a boring afternoon. <laughs> Do you know when you're like, oh, things are bad, but they're not that bad. Like, I think that's, I think that's my take at the moment. Yeah, I think, well, I think that's, yeah. I, I think, think, yeah, things are bad, but nobody's, nobody's getting bludgeoned. Yeah, well, that's that's always my metric, to be honest. <laughs> and I was, and you know what, speaking of being bludgeoned, because I did spend my morning reading up on Sophie Tuscan de Blontier. So even oh, wow. you mentioning being bludgeoned again, I'm like, oh, be, that word bludgeoned. I'm like, literally, I have encountered that word about 200 times today. So I'm like, it's just going to happen, isn't yes. it? <laughs> I know. That, see, that's what scares me about true crime, is that I just, I sometimes am worried about what is out there that I don't know about. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I think maybe I have too much information. You know, when you're like, when you, because I'm so into true crime. So between the books and the podcasts and the documentaries, I'm like, if I wanted to commit the perfect murder, I'd like to think I could. But then you're like, no, I don't want to put this, this knowledge to the test. I know and it's, you see it's, it's a handy it is handy knowledge to have because I do think like my whole thing about murder is that I do think that okay it is unreasonable and terrible but I think if there's going to be murder in the world I think that the right people should be allowed to do it you know yeah I mean sometimes you do think you know you do hear about the cases in the criminal court and you're like ah come on 
If you're yeah. going to do it. <laughs> exactly. It's like you need to put the work in, put in the prep. It's like anything. You know when they say, yeah, you know when the guards say we found, we found his bloody boots in his bedroom. You're like, ah, come on. I, yeah. <laughs> You're I know you see that's the bit times here. I always think that it is I would do all of the planning. I would I would have all of that, but it would be the cleanup would let me down. Oh, but I'd say you're I'd say you're a pretty good cleaner, gross. I know. I, like, I you're think always I'm, so well put together. I know, yeah, but you don't see the clothes when they come off. <laughs> they sit on the floor for six weeks. <laughs> I, think, I think I, I think I'd be the same. I'd be the same with a murder. I think it would be like a dinner party where you put all the work in and then everybody leaves and then like three days later there's a smell from the bin and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's David, yeah. That's the risotto <laughs> with David. I know what you mean. There would actually, to be honest, the, the cleaning side would, pro- would probably let me down, yeah. It's a lot of bleach and it's a lot of cling film. I think, and I think you'd be over to that stage. I know, yeah, you see, the buzz would be gone. Like, you have to get right on it. You'd be planning for so long. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you would. And then I think, you know, would it be that anticlimax of exactly what you said? Oh, sure, I'll just do it in a few days. And even though that voice in the back of your head would be like, Julie, this could cost you your life. I'm like, oh, I just couldn't be arsed. Like, I'd still go off and watch the last episode of Tiger King. Exactly, yeah. You'd just be like, who's looking at me? Who's looking? Who's interested in what I do? Nobody. Um, by the way, have you watched Tiger King? No, I haven't. Because it's like oh, that. Um, is it really good? Like, oh, give me, a, give me a top line. Give, like, what's the what? What's the thing that hooks you in? It's well, it's just mad people with big cats trying to kill each other. <laughs> That's just essentially it. Mad people. With, okay, so like, is it like that thing? What was the thing? Don't mess with cats, or don't. Don't fuck with cats. Yeah, it's. Do you know what? I think it's nearly better than that because there's just so many mad characters. Like you meet what you know the way with these things, you generally meet a character and you think, okay, he's going to be the mentalist, but okay. then you realize, oh no, they're all like this. Like then the next episode, you're like, oh Jesus! Just when I thought they couldn't even get any get any crazier, it's just so American. Okay, all right, maybe I will. Maybe I will tune in. Like I've been, oh, I've been watching them. Um... You have to. I've been watching uh, Ozark. That was my uh, that was my binge. Uh, what do you think of that? I love it. You see, I, I the problem with Ozark is though that their season two ended about eighteen months ago, and I had to do like a full hour and a half read up on everything that happened in season That's two. That's a long time before season three, isn't it? I know. You see, I started season three, and I was like, I actually don't remember any of this, so I had to go back and just do a bit of bit of study just to to catch up with it. But it's very good. Yeah, I love it now. Uh, so we'll start off now the Powell family this this is the case we're looking at today so Joshua Powell was born in 1976 to Stephen and Terrica Powell in Washington State his parents had a dysfunctional marriage caused in large part by Steve, Stephen's disaffection with the Church of Jesus of Christ of Latter-day Saints known just for short as the LDS Church not to be confused with the LSD Church which is like a totally different thing According to divorce findings by Terica, Stephen's mother, Stephen shared, or Stephen's wife, Stephen shared pornography with Joshua and his two male siblings refused to teach or enforce limits on certain behaviours as well. And as a teenager, Joshua allegedly killed gerbils belonging to one of his sisters and threatened his mother with a butcher knife. So Joshua 
is what we call your typical angsty teen. Oh, God. Yeah. That's Killing em- gerbils. <laughs> Killing gerbils. So isn't that a serious red flag? That's a serious red flag. And I, and I have a whole thing about that. Because do you remember that thing making a murderer? Oh, my God. Garode was just about to go there. The thing about the cat? Yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, he did it. Cool. Uh, and then when they were well, like, well, I'm not sure he did it. I'm like, well, maybe he didn't, but like put him in jail anyway. I, like, as soon as I heard that little bit in episode one, I was just like, checked out. I was like, eh, I don't care what happened to this man. Because just to remind our listener, that's when he, like, they talked about him killing the cat. I think he set a cat on fire. Yeah, yeah, he did some, I can't remember exactly what he did, but it was just like the animal cruelty bit. I was like, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't mind what happens to him. And they kind of over it. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree, because a lot of people said that to me after. Like, it is one of the key indicators of someone who's going to be violent later on is, like, somebody who could do that to an innocent animal. And they very much glassed over it, I thought, in that yeah. series. I, I, yeah, after that, I was just like, eh, whatever happens to him, happens to him. He, ma- he made his own Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally agree. So Joshua, now, his animal of choice would have been the Algerables, who were not as fond of his cats, but still, you shouldn't kill them. No, absolutely not. So Josh, as far as I'm concerned, Joshua did it. Done. Yeah. So Joshua, look, that's thanks for coming on the podcast. Is there anything you want to... <laughs> Is there anything you want to plug around? Uh, yeah. So, look, Joshua as well also attempted suicide on at least one occasion. By 1998, he was living in Seattle as a student at the University of Washington. It was here that he began his first relationship with a young woman called Catherine, who he met at a local LDS uh, kind of meetup. So it was a church meetup. After the two moved into an apartment together, Joshua became possessive towards Catherine. He would have restrictions and limitations on what I could and couldn't do when it came to my family, she later recalled. If I was going to visit them, he had to come too. I couldn't go by myself. So when she visited a friend in Utah without Joshua, she decided not to go back to Seattle and broke up with him over the phone, which turned out to be a pretty, a pretty good move on her part. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, I, I would never, I would never advocate a phone breakup, but I don't But know. in this instance, yeah, I'd he's be, a I'd terrible killer. Yeah, he's a terrible killer. Yeah. What's up would have done. Well done. Well done, I Catherine. Think, yeah, I think Catherine, I think Catherine showed a bit of foresight here. So Joshua then met Susan Cox, a classmate again at his LDS Institute of Religion course during a dinner party uh, in his apartment. The two began a relationship and eventually married uh, in April 2001. Joshua had a bachelor's degree in business and worked for a number of different companies, while Susan, who was a trained cosmetologist, took up a job and the family all moved to a place called West Valley City, Utah, which was a suburb of Salt Lake City. The Powells then went on to have two sons, Charles, who was born in 2005, and Braden, who was born in 2007. Okay. Um... So, for... Quick so, question, cosmetologist. Well, I mean, okay, so cosmetologist, uh, like beautician, I think we call it in Ireland. Oh, because were you I thinking that... like a clairvoyant kind of thing? No, I was thinking what I thought that was the Russian word for astronaut, and I thought, oh, this, this has got deep. <laughs> this, Do you know? This has got far-reaching, very fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking beautician, which, by the way, is is important too. It's a job that we all rely on, especially. It's only now in pandemic t- t- pandemic times we realise how much we relied on our beautician. And I, I, to be honest with you, I would imagine a lot more crack than a Russian astronaut. But go on. <laughs> I, I mean, I would think so too. Yeah. So for a brief period following their wedding. 
Joshua and Susan lived at Stephen Powell's home in South Hill, Washington. Okay. Okay. So Stephen was the father-in-law, just to remind ourselves of that. Initially, unbeknownst to Susan, her father-in-law Stephen had developed an obsessive infatuation with her, which was only inflamed by the fact that they were now living with the man. Uh, Stephen followed Susan around the house with a camcorder, used a small mirror to spy on her while she used the bathroom, stole her underwear from the laundry, read her adult journals, and even posted love songs online under a fake name. In, two th- in 2003. I mean, <laughs> one of those it's things. It's a lot. Like yeah, one of those things lot, is Stephen. enough for a family meeting. Like, <laughs> It's just an awful lot. And it in is. 2003, Stephen thought this would be a good move to confess his feelings to a really, really shocked Susan, who shock horror rejected him on the spot. And the encounter, which now this is kind of funny, the encounter was accidentally captured by Stephen's camcorder microphone. So he thought he had his camcorder <laughs> turned off. But it turned out he had recorded that rejection just so he could play it back later for himself. Uh, The Powells moved out of state soon after because obviously Susan was completely creeped out by Stephen, her father and all, and was like, we need to get as far away from this man as possible. But, but, but only got creeped out when he confessed love for her. Like, but, you know, but it was still living with him after I, love I, songs I'd and the... she was, I'd say yeah I'd say she probably she probably wasn't aware of all of it but it was it, I would imagine it was uh, okay like I'm just going to ignore this as much as possible and then when he was like just so you know like I'm in love with you she couldn't ignore it anymore okay okay but I mean Stephen is a creep because even like when his kids were teenagers he was like sharing porn with the boys so like he's obviously just a creep from the very outset yeah um, so they they moved out of state and Susan's journal entries and email correspondence indicated that there were some marital problems there was tension with Joshua over his refusal to attend church with his family and also the fact that he continued to be in contact with Stephen despite obviously the fact that he had made Susan completely uncomfortable. Okay. Susan's friends also pointed to Joshua's extravagant spending. So to top it all off, he was also really controlling and he loved to spend money, which is not a good combination. He filed for bankruptcy in 2007, declaring over $200,000 in debt. Wow. Susan recorded, isn't that insane? Susan recorded a video in July 2008 surveying property damage she attributed to Joshua and wrote a, wrote a secret will that included the statements. And this is going to be very important as we go on. I want to document it that there is extreme turmoil in our marriage and which is a really, really sad thing to think that she wrote in this secret will. If I die, it may not be an accident, even if it looks like one. Oh, God. I know. Isn't that just so horrible for her? Yeah, really, really awful. God. I mean, it's a lot... Like, while she was at the lawyers doing the will, you know... Look for a divorce while you're there. Yeah, I mean, I I guess it it was probably... First of all, it was probably, like, an an emotionally abusive relationship because he was really controlling and controlled who she kind of spoke... Uh, spoke to and visited and all the rest and also because they were so religious this was a big thing that like divorce was seen as very extreme yeah it's always the bible yeah the bible bashers 
I know. I mean, it's, but even like I was only um, saying to somebody today, because when we were talking about the Sophie Toscantamante, I like it's hard to be, we only got divorced in 1995, which is fairly recent. I know. Like, oh, like you can't, I can't believe that. Like, when you think about, and people, I know people that voted no. Oh, and I know, I know people, I think we know the same people who voted no and are now so embarrassed about it, but it shows how recent it was as well. Like, you know, we look at these, I think I, I often like associate this extreme kind of a religious behaviour with like the likes of America, but like we were pretty religious ourselves until very recently. Yeah. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And we, yeah, we, we've got a, I think Ireland has, we've got super woke lately, but like we have a bad history to make up for. Yes, but, yeah, but I th- I think actually you're right. I think we are actually getting pretty well pretty quickly. Like, I think it's actually one of the things that you'd have to say stands to our credit. Like, we're pretty progressive now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, because we have to make up for for the fact that, like, in the <laughs> 70s, women were, were churched for having kids. Like, Oh, I think, and she was, was homosexuality illegal until the early 90s? Yeah, 1993, which was the year that we won the Eurovision for the second year in a row. Oh, and then, and then. (laughs) So it was like, in for a penny, in for a pound. It was like, the chick is up. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. keep winning the Eurovision. Let's just say this is now legal. Come on. Let's take this Uh, out of the toilets. Yeah, so look, it's it's like, I think that that was a factor, but probably the primary thing was that she was in this kind of controlling relationship and all that. But it just, I think it's so sad. And you hear that so often that people do say, look, if anything happens to me, know this, that they, that they know something is coming. Yeah. Is really upsetting, yeah. So on the morning of December 6, 2009, Susan and her two kids, Charles and Braden, attended church. A neighbour visited them at home in the afternoon and left at about five o'clock. At first, the entire Powell family was reported missing on December 7th, the following day, by relatives. Joshua's mother, Terika, and his sister, Jennifer, went looking for the family at their house shortly after being informed that the kids had not been dropped off at daycare that morning by Susan. This is a Monday morning, no sign of the kids. They called the police when they failed to make contact with Joshua and Susan. The police broke into the house, fearing that they their initial thought was, OK, maybe it's a carbon monoxide poisoning. They found oh, no one inside, but noticed two box fans blowing at a wet spot on the couch Susan did not show up for her job that day either so her purse her wallet and her ID were all found at the house and her cell phone was later found in the family's only vehicle which was like a minivan that Joshua had been using oh god this is not this is not yeah this is we're not getting a good outcome here it's not looking good. Now, so later that day, at about five o'clock, Joshua returned home with the two boys, Charles and Braden, and was taken to the police station for questioning. He claimed he had left Susan sleeping at the house shortly after midnight on December 7th. So in other words, like just after midnight on the Sunday night, which would have been the early hours of Monday morning. And now, does this have the ring of truth, Groat? and had taken his boys on a camping trip to Simpson Springs in Western Utah. Police visited Simpson Springs. This is like a Sunday night that he claimed that he just decided to take his two sons on a camping trip, even though they had daycare the next day. So they visited this. Yeah, so it's really bad. I mean, if you're going to lie, 
this is what we're talking about, Grode, earlier. Yeah, this is, if you're going to yeah, lie. Is, this is where it all fell apart. This and, and the box yeah. fans, to be honest. Yeah, well, the fans drawing the wet patch doesn't yeah. really look good. Look, leave um, the wet patch. So, <laughs> just leave just it leave to it. air dry. Just air dry Please. It. Yeah. So, December 10th, uh, the police visited the spot that they said that, that Joshua said they'd been camping, but found no evidence of the campsite that Joshua described. They also found it suspicious that he'd take his sons, obviously, out camping after midnight when he was supposed to be at his job himself just a few hours later. Joshua had not told his boss that he would, wouldn't be coming into work that day and explained to police that was because, wait for it, grow, this is the line he had. He thought it was actually a Sunday rather than a Monday. <laughs> so he mixed his days up. Now, I think in the current lockdown, could happen. Could, could happen. happen. Could happen. But, but not, not. Not, if you're, not if you've got a minivan and access to the wilds of Utah. Like, I think, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. So upon searching the Powell residence on December 9th, investigators found traces of Susan's blood on the floor, life insurance policies in poor Susan's name. For Now, this is what I don't get about life insurance policies. The policy that had been taken out in her name was to the tune of $1.5 million. I never wow. get that. How, how do they work out the life insurance policy sum? Well, how do I, they work out the value of it? I think you, I think you just you just decide how much you want to take it out for. I think it. I think it is that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So, so you and you decide how much you want to pay. So the, yeah, the, like premium wise, that would be, you know, that's a hefty premium for one point five million. Oh, actually, that makes sense. So that then, if you're taking out that much, then obviously your premium is going to be higher. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I never thought about it like that. I know. 13 years in insurance, Julie. Listen. I forgot. You You are a former insurance man. Is there nothing you yeah. can't do, Grout? There yeah, there we go. Okay, so as well as the life insurance policy, they also found a handwritten letter from Susan expressing fear for her life. DNA test results released in 2013 matched one blood sample with Susan, while another sample was determined to have come from, quote, an unknown male contributor. So they found her blood in the house and they also found this blood of an unknown male. Oh, God. Yeah. In August 2012, West Valley City Police released documents showing that Joshua took actions that were regarded as highly unusual following Susan's disappearance. First of all, she liqu- he liquidated Susan's retirement accounts, cancelled her regularly scheduled chiropra- chiro- chiropractic ses- sessions and withdrew his kids from daycare. He had previously spoken to co-workers about how to hide a body in an abandoned mine shaft in the western Utah desert. Oh, Joshua. <laughs> I mean, but again, it's like what we were talking about, Road. Like, if you are yeah. going to murder your wife, like, at least try to pretend to be sad that she's missing yeah, the week exactly. she goes missing. And don't have a conversation about hiding a body just before you do it. <laughs> And like the fact that he went to such lengths to cancel her future appointments, he was like, oh, no, she won't be needing those. Like at well, this point, she's just missing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But I I think that that I think should work in his favor. Like, I think I think there should be. Oh, do I think, you think at, so? At the, okay. I think at the, at the trial, I think they should have said, look, he didn't waste a chiropractor's time. <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely thinking of others there, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, that, I think that shows empathy 
Thank you, Council. That's a really good point. So police interviewed the family's eldest son, poor Charlie, who confirmed that the camping trip Joshua described took place. However, unlike his father, he said that Susan had gone with them and that she had not come back with them. Weeks after his disappearance, his teacher reported that Charlie had claimed that his mother was dead, which I just think is so sad. Oh, that's awful. Really awful. And then actually, oh. Braden, who was the younger son, he drew a picture um, of a van with three people in it at daycare. And he told the people working in the daycare that his mommy was in the trunk. Oh, God. Which is just terrible, isn't that it? That is yeah. awful. Well, really? Unless, unless, unless Braden was in on it. Unless unless he was in on it. Well, it's awful. Yeah, unless he That's was awful. like, you know what? I need to get the police off my scent here. But I think ultimately, it like oh, that God. is probably the most incriminating thing at all. Because the other kids are just so honest, especially in their little pictures and things. Oh um, so really terrible. So investigators informed the media that they planned to question Joshua and they subpoenaed all footage and interviews of Joshua from local TV stations. On December 14th, he, ret- he retained an attorney in connection with the investigation and police said that he got more and more uncooperative. A few days later, he took his sons to stay with his dad, Stephen, for the holidays, fecking Stephen. By December 24th, oh Joshua was, was considered a person of interest in the investigation. Investigation and on January 6th, he returned with his brother Michael to pack up all his family belongings. And he decided that he was moving permanently to a place called Poo Yellup. I'm definitely saying that wrong, but that's where Stephen lived, his father. So he occupied a home with his two sons and his father Stephen, and also in the house, as well as Joshua and the kids and his dad were his brothers Michael and Jonathan and his sister Alina. So it was like a full house. Full House are crazies. Yeah, they're pretty crazy. So Joshua indicated that he would rent out his house in Utah. And then soon afterwards, the website SusanPowell.org was launched. Described as, quote, the official website of Susan Powell, the site's anonymous entries defend Joshua as a victim of a smear campaign by Susan's family. His estranged sister, Jennifer. Jennifer was very much like Team Susan in all this. She was like, he has definitely done something to her. And also the church. So additional posts also speculated that Susan's disappearance was connected to that of, now this is kind of a bit of a red herring, but uh, connected to that of a journalist called Stephen. And I'll just get a second name here. So so this website, which I've been set up, claimed that her disappearance was connected to that of Stephen Kosher, a former journalist who vanished the same week as Susan, and that the two had run off to Brazil together. Oh, God. So again, like from what we know of Susan, it just doesn't sound like something Susan would do. No, and Brayden has made it quite clear his mother was in the trunk. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to be listening to Brayden here. Um, so again, God. it was claimed in on this website that Susan had left her family because that old chestnut, she was mentally ill and that she'd left with another man. And obviously Susan's family rejected these claims as completely unsupported by any evidence. Oh. That's, now, oh God. yeah, pretty bad. So investigation scrutiny extended to Stephen Powell upon learning from a friend that he'd been obsessed with his son's wife. Um, so they seized his computer and on the computer they found four and a half thousand images of Susan taken without her knowledge. On, on whose computer? 
on the father knows computer Stephen so people said just you know like he had actually been obsessed with her they took the computer and found four and a half thousand oh my images God. why what 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 grounds did they have to take the father's computer Oh, I don't know. In terms of a search warrant, I'm not too sure, actually. Oh, no, I, I just mean in, like, did they consider, did they think he was part of it or was it because uh, the son well, was I living think, there? Or I, I, I'm not too sure, but it was it, it had been his computer, not, not the son. So it would have been in the house previous to the son moving in. But I'd imagine it was just because when they were informed that he'd been obsessed with her when somebody goes missing, it's probably a line of investigation you would explore. But actually, in terms of search warrant, I don't know what the basis would have been, actually. Wow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Oh. Um, but they did also turn their attention to uh, Joshua's brother, Michael, after he learned that he had sold his uh, kind of, it was a bit of a wreck of a car, it was a Ford Tyrus to a wrecking yard in Pendleton, Oregon, shortly after Susan's disappearance. So he, in other words, set, sent this car to like a wrecking yard and was like, I just want you to destroy the car. Which again, when oh your sister-in-law has gone missing, not, you know, it's not no. looking good. No, definitely oh my isn't. God. Luckily, they hadn't gotten around to re- destroying the car just yet. And when the police found the car, a sniffer dog indicated shock horror that a decomposing human body had been in the trunk. And then the DNA test frustratingly I never understand why this happens uh, proved inconclusive well so the dog was like definitely a human body was decomposing here but the DNA they couldn't get the DNA in it I suppose because oh. it had been in the wrecking yard for so long maybe so it, that it was wasn't, it it wasn't the body it was just that the, the, they'd found that there had been a body in it yeah exactly so they found they, the, you know those cadaver dogs that pick up on okay, the scent yeah, so yeah. the dog alerted to like the fact that there had been a decomposing body but they couldn't get DNA in it and then in September on September 14 2011 Utah authorities discovered a sp- possible grave site while searching the Topaz Mountains which was an area that Joshua had frequented as a campsite there were signs of recent soil disturbance and shoveling and after digging a few feet down the police were unable to find any remains in spite of carefully sifting through all the soil. Anthropologists also ruled out the possibility of the site being an ancient burial ground. They continued to examine the the site for a while, but again, they said that they couldn't offer any explanation as to why it did look like a recently disturbed grave, and again, they couldn't find any DNA in it. Oh, God. But they did say that the reason why it was an area of interest, aside from the fact that Joshua used to always camp in this specific spot, was because, again, the sniffer dogs had kind of alerted them to it. 
So obviously relationships between the Powell and the Cox families who were would have been Susan's family became increasingly hostile after a police raid on their home in 2011. Both Joshua and Stephen spoke to news outlets regarding journals that Susan had allegedly written about the relationship between Stephen and herself. Stephen claimed that he and Susan had been falling in love prior to her disappearance and he cited the content of the journals as evidence to support his theory that she was mentally unstable and could have run away with another man. So he was saying that they were falling in love and the son was living with them. Yes, yeah. So Stephen was, I mean, look, Stephen is just completely insane. But then the funny thing is, is that, so they said, so the father-in-law saying, oh yeah, we were actually falling in love. But then part of the initial kind of thing that they threw out there, I suppose, to put people off the scent initially was that she had run off to Brazil with With this journalist journalist who was also called Stephen, which is unfortunate in that it's a bit confusing. But like, they're just, basically they're just throwing all these red herrings out there hoping that something will stick. And uh, clearly the father and Stephen is a fantasist. So this is his opportunity to say, oh, by the way, just so you know, she did, you know, have feelings for me. Like we were in love. Oh my God. Yeah. So really bad. And a judge issued a permanent injunction forbidding, thank God, forbidding Joshua and Stephen from publishing any material from Susan's journals and ordering the pair to either return or destroy any journals that were already published. So these two, by the way, were mad for the media. They were all about like the media and the appearances and this, that or whatever. They always are. They always are. Yeah. And then just when we thought Stephen couldn't get any more gross as a human being. So bit of a trigger warning. This is this is uh, this is pretty disturbing. So on September 22nd, he was arrested on charges of voyeurism and child pornography after police found evidence that he had been secretly videotaping numerous women and young girls, including Susan. So again, yeah. Well, I mean, like four and a half thousand (laughs) photographs of Susan. It's not surprising, is it? Yeah, 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 it's not surprising. So uh, basically, Chuck Cox, who would have been Susan's uh, father, he filed for custody when he was found when the, when Stephen was found guilty of like these child pornography charges, etc. Because obviously he didn't want his grandkids living in the same house as Stephen. Yeah. So he filed for custody the day after Stephen was arrested, and they granted him temporary custody, ruling that Josh would have to move out of Stephen's home if he wanted to regain custody, which is fair enough. So they're yeah, like, yeah. if you want your kids, you have to move out of the gaff. Yeah, take them Joshua rent. <laughs> yeah, like that's pretty basics Joshua by the way just in terms of parenting number one do not live with a paedophile even if he is your father okay fair enough so Joshua rented a house but authorities later alleged that he'd never moved into the house he just made it appear that he'd moved in while he continued to live at Stephen's house with his kids god that is yeah gross that's crazy yeah and in late September 2001, so 2011, I should say, apologies. So the same month again, uh, his sister, so his sister Jennifer was a good egg. And she came out and said that she believed that her brother Joshua was responsible for his wife Susan's disappearance. His other sister, Alina, had also been suspicious of him as well. However, she later withdrew her suspicions and felt that Joshua had been unduly harassed by the investigation. But she was kind of very much under the control of the dad and the brothers. Oh um, by this time, that the city itself had spent more than half a million dollars on the case. So to be fair to the police, they did throw everything at 
at this. Like they were determined to get them, but like they just couldn't pin it on them. And they didn't get them. Well, in late 2011, basically, so I'll I'll skip ahead a little bit here. So basically later on, so they couldn't, they had spent half a million and they were, and the mayor at the time indicated that he felt, you know, the case was worth the expense. He said, I think we're getting to the tipping point um, where we have more hot evidence than we've had in the past two years. And he really felt they were moving forward. So they hadn't got them, but they hadn't given up on it just yet. Okay. So then Joshua had gone through all these like different, you know, obviously different court ordered evaluations. And they determined that Joshua had adequate parenting skills, no criminal record or history of domestic violence. Um, however, they also found raised issues about ongoing criminal investigations, his failure to admit his own personal shortcomings, his very controlling behaviour with his sons, his defensiveness and his increasing paranoia. Um, the initial recommendation was for Joshua to have just visitation with his sons a couple of times a week, supervised by a social worker. So okay. in the last week of January 2012, so Joshua... This is, again, now where we learned that Joshua is even more of a gross individual than we initially assumed. They found 400 images of child pornography oh. and other horrible oh. images on Joshua's computer. Jesus. But this is really gross. So but these images were not illegal because they were in that, you know, that like cartoonish kind of 3D. I don't know what you call it, but you know, that kind of anime formula. Oh, my God. Format, I should say. So technically, it was like a legal loophole that he couldn't be done on it. But like, obviously, really upsetting for Susan's family when like he has custody, you know, he's well, he's seeing the kids um, on oh a regular basis. Yeah. So he just gets worse and worse, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Well, I mean, anime for a start. I mean, I know it's lower on the list. <laughs> Do you know what? It's actually because myself and Emma talked before and up to 90 about Pornhub categories. And apparently there's an actual word I had to look because I didn't know what this word meant, but it's essentially anime. But that's like the number one most searched for a category in like, say, like mid teens to mid 20s. Oh, my God. So pe- like, obviously, people are into it. I give up on the world. Oh, isn't it awful? And That's... the really, yeah, oh. yeah. And also, the, what was really pissing off, you know, to Susan's family as well was the state, even though, like, they discovered all these images, they didn't adjust the visitation orders. They still let them see the kids a few times a week. So in February, That's a social crazy. worker, isn't it crazy? So the social work, a social worker called Elizabeth Hall, called 911 after taking Charlie and Braden to supervised visit at Joshua's house. Hall, who was the social worker, was supposed to monitor the visit between Joshua and the boys, said that he had grabbed them and would not let her in the door. Soon thereafter, and this is the real tragedy um, in it all, so soon thereafter, the house exploded, killing Joshua and the two kids. Local authorities treated the case as a double murder-suicide. Oh when, my god! Yeah, I know. Isn't it awful? It's the That's... poor kids. My god! Yeah, terrible. So they still have not. They still have not. You know, obviously found any justice in terms of what happened to Susan, and now Joshua was killed. The two kids as well. 
So when authorities notified Stephen, his father, who was in jail, he, quote, didn't seem very upset by the news, but was angry towards authorities who notified him. Two weeks later, Stephen, interestingly, invoked his Fifth Amendment right not to answer questions about the Susan Powell case. Cox and others have stated that they believe so. Her father and others have stated that they believe Stephen knew what happened to Susan. Stephen, again, was convicted of voyeurism charges, which he had, you know, obviously been charged with earlier on. But the trial then happened in 2012. And he was convicted of that as well. After a brief investigation, officials confirmed that obviously the explosion in the house had been deliberate. And, uh, you know, obviously Joshua Wood was the perpetrator there. And again, friends and relatives of Joshua told authorities that he had contacted them by email minutes before the incident to say goodbye. Some of them, including his pastor. So it's always the pastor who gets these calls received instructions about finding his money and shutting off his utilities. Records also showed that he'd withdrawn $7,000 from his bank account and had donated his kids' toys to local charities the day before an incident. Like, the incident. Like, what a good guy he grew out. Why does he withdraw the seven grand? He, uh, so he, but he gave it to charity. He withdrew, so he withdrew 7000 oh, and then donated the kids. Shit. Yeah. I know, what an asshole. Joshua named his brother Michael as the main beneficiary of his life insurance policy. And poor Charles and Braden, the two kids, were buried at Woodbine Cemetery, which also contains a memorial for their mother, who, of course, doesn't have a grave because they've never found out, like, what happened to her. And Joshua's remains were cremated. And then in the last, just in the last little twist, so in February then the following year, a year after the death of Joshua and his sons, Michael took his own life in Minnesota. So his brother Michael killed himself. He jumped from the roof of a parking garage. Police had questioned Michael several times after discovering his abandoned Ford at this wrecking yard. Michael was, quote, evasive as to why the car was at that location. And Utah authorities have since said that they believe that Joshua and Michael were accomplices in the murder of Susan, so that the two of them had killed her, killed her together. Oh my god! Yeah, this is horrific. It's I genuinely pretty, thought there was awful. going to be a standoff and the kids would be saved. Oh, that's so awful. Yeah, the no, I'm af- I'm afraid not. So, in in the meantime, Joshua's sister Jen- Jennifer has since written a mem- written a memoir. And the memoir was published in June 2013 and it's called A Light in Dark Places. And she wrote oh, it, she says, her. to help. <laughs> but she we wrote, like she, Jennifer. She, like, Jennifer was a good egg. Yeah, but like, oh, God. Like, she's Not capitalizing on it a bit. Yeah. Like, you know what? Yeah, Have well, some. Like, where did, like, oh, God. Where did the Michael, like, the money Michael get go? I, oh, I'm just hurt. I'm horrified that she would write a book. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, the title is probably a little bit, it's a bit saccharine, isn't it? A light in dark places. But she she did say that the reason she wrote it was to help other people to recognise abuse in their own relationships, which, you know, Which was number five on the given... list after, like, buying herself a beach house. What a piece of shit. I was going to say, I don't think the money went to, like, charities that help domestic abuse victims. Maybe I'm wrong, but, like, you would say the intent would be very noble if that was the case, but you'd like to think the money then would go to help these women. But anyway, she did say that was her intent. So in March then uh, of 2015, 
Susan's father won a very long court battle with um, the Powells. So Joshua's mother and his sister over control. Can you believe this, that they were still trying to get control of Susan's estate? So they still maintained that it had never been proven that their son and brother had killed this woman. Therefore, they were entitled to Susan's estate. (laughs) Who was entitled? The, so the, so basically, say, uh, so Joshua's next of kin would have been entitled in the event of his death to Susan's estate because it had never been proven These that he had killed her. People. Like, yeah, like really would bad. they be like Jennifer yeah. and Stephen? So Jennifer, so Je- so Stephen would have been, so Stephen would have been Terika's ex-husband. So Terika was Joshua's mother and Alina was Joshua's sister. So Alina was Stephen's daughter. So basically the remaining members of the family, so Michael had killed himself, Joshua killed himself and Stephen was in jail for being an absolute pervert. The remaining oh. members of the family were like, Jennifer was off writing her book, doing her bit, like playing the philanthropy card. And then the remaining members of Joshua's family were like, you know what? We should get Susan's money because like it's never been proven like that Joshua's killed this woman. These people. I know. <laughs> awful. But he actually was, it, it, it had a positive turnout because they they want, so they, what they wanted was Joshua's, the remaining members of his family wanted to have Susan declared legally dead because then they could get their hands on her estate. So Susan's dad basically gained full control of the state and him. they also sued the state. Uh, as So they also sued the state of Washington claiming that um, the Department of Social and Health Services have prioritised Joshua's parental rights over the safety of their grandkids and facilitated their deaths. Oh, of course. Absolutely. So they did get a settlement on that. And also Susan's family, which was a really positive outcome as well to come from a really terrible situation. They also worked really hard to pass a bill that would restrict or block visitation rights for parents being investigated for murder, which seems like completely fair enough. Okay, yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't a thing until they were pushing it. And then the perv himself, Stephen Powell, was released from prison on July eleventh, two thousand and seventeen, after serving a total of seven years. He died of natural causes in Tacoma, Washington in twenty eighteen. Well, I hope it was painful. I know, I know. So he he died of natural causes. It doesn't say what in uh, in Washington State oh, uh, the following year. And Susan remains a missing person. But given the fates of her sons, it's obviously widely believed that she was murdered by her husband. And there have been calls uh, as recently, obviously, as 2018 to have her declared dead with the cause being homicide. Oh, Jennifer must have a new book. I know. I know, it's terrible. And that is the story of the Powell family. That is horrific. It's pretty bad. I mean, you know the way you joke about your family being fucked up and then you read about these <laughs> yeah. families and you're like, no, I'm never giving out no. about my mom again. Yeah, look. Yeah, she can nag me about not ringing her all she wants. This is horrific. Those poor kids. It's it's, pr- it's pretty awful. It is pretty awful. Yeah, yeah. It's horrendous, and especially because, uh, like, also, the, I think it was uh, the I, I, the social worker as well. 
Well, this is always the case with the social workers. I, I guess she claimed that the, the kids were grabbed and she couldn't do anything about it. And she, you know, contacted law enforcement straight away. But by then it was too late. I guess he had it all set up in such a way that he was just going to separate her from the kids. I mean, he'd bought like litres of litres of gasoline. So he was like, good to go. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was just a really, really sick bastard. But like, there's so like... There's so many red flags. Like, like for a start, someone going and buying litres and litres of gasoline. You're kind of like... I know. I know, I know. Also, yeah, yeah. Uh, also a grown I man always buying think a camcorder. The people... <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the first I red know. flag. I think in the noughties, nobody needed a camcorder. No. You know what I mean? Like, we all have video nobody on our did. phone. Oh, this is so awful. Yeah, I always think as well the people working in Woody's. I would be like Jessica Fletcher if I was working in Woody's. I know, yeah, yeah. If you buy shovel and plastic together, call but the like guards. he's he's. I would be I'd be onto the guards every single day. Anyone who was buying a shovel, yeah. I would be like onto them immediately. Hundred percent. Better safe than sorry. One hundred percent. I'm with you on that. But yeah, Shovels, there is always that, like buying litres and litres of gasoline together. It's like, as you say, a bit of a red flag. But I guess this is America where, you know, you can walk into a Walmart and buy a gun. Oh, God. This is... I, I just but it's be- pretty grim. I wish there was a nice surrounding road. I mean, on the plus side, at least Susan's family, thank God, like they did get one over on the Powell family. It's just unbelievable that they pursued it, the Powell family. Like they were obviously just all gross. They are all gross. They're awful. I mean, anyone yeah. that... Oh, God. I just think that she... I Like, I don't know why I have a big problem with that one that wrote the book. Well, it's always... It's, a, it's always a very delicate one when somebody writes a book after tragedy. Like, people are always accused... I mean, even not that it's the same thing, but even Michaela McCollum, when she wrote her book about being a drugs mule, like, got a lot of flack because people were saying you shouldn't be profiting from criminality so yeah. I suppose Jennifer kind of is but it's in a tangential way because it was her brother yeah but it, it should be from the other side like if there's going to be a book yes, let, let, the, let the other family it should be the Cox the family yeah, yeah 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 well actually that's very true that like as in it probably probably wasn't her place to write the book no not at all but, yeah. she, but she got in first she yeah, got and in I guess... first I, she heard the bang of the house and she rang a publicist that's what she did she went, she opened a Google Doc the second she heard that explode. That's what Absolutely. she did. Yeah, my story by Jennifer. But I, I think, I think definitely you're right in that it, it, again, it's different if you write these books and then it's like all proceeds going to whatever charity, you know, that might be kind of pertinent to that crime. But I think it's a very, it's a very delicate one when you are looking to kind of make, make money off these things. Yeah. No but, matter, like, no matter how good your intentions are, it's maybe a bit, you know, oh, she misplaced. oh she had no good intentions. She had no good intentions. <laughs> <laughs> she she had her eye. You are on not buying what thing. Jennifer is selling at all. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not buying that at all. I mean, for, okay, fair enough. She was out, like she was out front and center, uh, saying that he her brother did it. Mm, but, she was know, to be fair, yeah. Yeah, with the, okay, that which there's some redemption in that. But then it's like have some class. Well, yes, it's probably just too easy to do. I I know what you mean. I feel it should either be uh, like the victims, the victim if they're in a position to do that, or the victim's family who should write about these things because really anyone else doesn't really own the story. No, not at all. 
Even though then the whole point of crime plant is me telling these stories. So maybe I should shut the fuck up as well. But, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> fuck it, girl. We have to wrap this up before I... Okay. <laughs> I talk before you have an existential crisis. <laughs> Come here to me. Before we go, Garode Farley, if we're looking for you online, where I'm will at, we find you? I am at Garode Farley everywhere. I think Twitter's too depressing, so I'm really on it. Uh, I, I don't do Twitter either. <laughs> so I'm mainly so on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, I and mean, I'm on all those other things, brilliant... but Instagram. And you also have a brilliant podcast, which is very, very funny, called... Oh, it's called Fascinated. Fascinated. Uh, I tracked down Do you want to give us a lowdown of what it's about? Well, I, I tracked down people I was a big fan of. So people from girl bands, you know, favourite TV shows good. and all of that. So, um... Yeah, so it's 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 really good fun. It's basically an excuse for me to talk to the people I was a big fan of. But and it's so funny, Grout. And you know what I will say about it is that it's so. I'm going to use. I'm going to do a bit of a pun here, but it's so fascinating, if I could say that, to hear. You know, like as in, say, girl band members that we would have been obsessed with back in the day, and they're doing just very ordinary jobs now, and they have families. And I love that that arc. Like the, just the stories themselves are so interesting. Yeah, I mean, they they all have a story, like all those, you know, those people that were in pop bands in the 90s, they all have, uh, yeah. you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a big story behind all of them. So, um, yeah, I love making it. It's my favourite thing in the world. And that's available, obviously, everywhere you can download podcasts from, etc. All the usual yeah, platforms. all the usual platforms. All the, all Great. The it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, my pleasure, Julie. Always. Sorry, I don't know why you had the dramatic pause there. I, oh, yeah. I think I, I said, I said, um, yeah, I said something. I went to say all the big, but I couldn't remember the word platforms. <laughs> I, you know, I jumped in. I, do you, would you, let's you didn't, go. Let's no, you go left a pause and my, I had a brain fart. Where is Fascinated available from? Uh, you'll find it on all of the platforms that you, anywhere you do your listening, you'll find Fascinated. Love it. Okay, Garot, it's been an absolute pleasure. Stay safe out there. Same to you. Two metres apart, Julie. Always. Always. <laughs> I Well, I, the social distancing I apply is at the equivalent of when I see an ex at an ATM. That's my social distancing now. <laughs> I've been Julie J. I've been Garot Farrelly. And this has been Crimeland. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.